lunch. Nom, 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 nom. Good morning, Sac City. Welcome in to another edition of the Sac City Podcast. I am your host, the one and only Vinny Milani, joined as always by my best friend in the whole entire world. He is Aaron, the Mukesaya Mukes. It is a beautiful November 2nd morning here in the city. Episode 110 is about to kick off. We've got a great power ranking show, but a lot more to talk about. This might be the first power ranking show where we have more to talk about before the power rankings than we do inside the power rankings uh, because yesterday was the NFL trade deadline and we saw a record-breaking number of trades uh, take place yesterday and also throughout the trade deadline process. Uh, Aaron, how, how did it go yesterday? How, how do you think it went yesterday? Um, pretty much as expected. I, I think a lot of times we get excited about this trade deadline and there are some big names in the NFL that got moved, but in the grand scheme of thing, I don't think there was too many moves that changed the landscape of where we think teams are. There's a few, uh, but for the most part, I thought it was it was what I expected. Uh, I did expect a lot of moves. There were a lot of moves, uh, but some big names that didn't get moved, Cam Akers, Kareem Hunt, Brandon Cooks. Um, I guess there's, there might be a little bit of disappointment in some fan bases today if you're a Green Bay Packers fan or a Dallas Cowboys fan or something. But I, I think all in all, when you talk about the NFL, you're not used to seeing a lot of movement at the deadline. So the movement we did have was kind of exciting for, you know, most trades ever, things like that. So, um, but it was good. I, I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed watching all the people react to, to the trades and overreact to the trades. And yeah, that was fun. Yeah, there was a, there was a lot of, 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 of reacting yesterday. And I, it's funny you said that with like the fact that like the NFL trade deadline, it's, it's one of those days, like, like sometimes the NFL trade deadline is just nothing. Like it's just, it really is nothing. And I'm putting together the graphics and stuff for the deadline for this past, this yesterday. And I'm like, you know, there were a lot of, there was a lot of movement, but there wasn't that many like big time players on the move. Uh, We had a few of them, um, but, but you know what, let's just, let's just get right into it and start uh, breaking down some of these trades. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. Like we said, the trade deadline has come and gone, and that pretty much takes up our entire morning headlines here. Uh, I've listed, we've got, we've got listed on the screen all of the deals that took place yesterday. Uh, most deadline deals in the past thirty years, uh, so record breaking and it just it, a wild day uh, in the NFL yesterday with a lot of movement. Like we said, though, there wasn't a whole lot of crazy names. We saw Bradley Chubb. Chase Claypool, TJ Hawkinson, all on the move. Those were the really big headlines. Uh, we did get to see some running back movement, maybe not the running backs we thought we'd see, um, but Naeem Hines, Chase Edmonds on the move, uh, Kareem Hunt, though, and Cam Akers staying put where they are. Um, and who could forget, Zach Moss is on the move. That's probably the biggest running back move that we saw all day yesterday. I'm just kidding. Uh, let's get into let's get into the sum of it, though, Aaron. Uh your reactions to your overall reaction to yesterday's moves and and to teams that maybe should have been more active and wasn't active and and along those lines. I think what happens is it continues to prove the, that draft capital is extremely valuable in the NFL and teams don't want to give it up. Uh, They're teams that most of the teams that are selling off pieces in the NFL are teams that are looking to rebuild or to, I don't want to say they're throwing this season away, but they understand that, okay, we're in a bad spot right now through seven, eight weeks. We might not have a chance really to get to a Super Bowl this year. So we do need to start setting ourselves up for how we're going to build this team going forward. Um, Those are the teams that are willing to go out and get draft capital. But the teams that are already good, unless you're getting a game-changing player, they also don't want to give up their draft capital. So you run into this situation where you find people that, that there's like this power struggle. Um, I do think a lot of teams were involved trying to get deals done. But again, when you're, when you're having quibbles over a, a second round pick versus a third round pick teams value that. And, and I think it shows over the course of the draft every year that there's extreme talent in the NFL that comes in each and every year. And that has impact and teams don't want to miss out on guys that are going to come in and impact their team and have on rookie deals for four to five years. Uh, I, I think you saw the teams that felt like they were close Miami, 
go out and make a move for a guy that's going to be a free agent. Maybe they can't even re-sign him, but they feel like they're a Super Bowl contender. You yeah. talk about uh, Baltimore going and getting Roquan Smith earlier this week. They felt like they're close. They're okay, even knowing he's a free agent. Um, whereas other teams weren't willing to make those sacrifices. For instance, Dallas. Dallas, there was reports that they were after Brandon Cooks, but they couldn't come to agreement. Dallas values their draft picks, which is understandable because Dallas has drafted really well. When you talk about since the Dak Prescott, and I mean, you've had Tyron Smith, Dak Prescott, Zach Martin, Travis Frederick, Ezekiel Elliott, CD, like these yep. players they've drafted have worked out. So they don't want to give up that draft capital and then say next year and not work out this year and not have any draft capital next year. So we saw Miami go for it with Bradley Chubb. We saw uh, the Vikings go for it with TJ Hawkinson, all people and teams that are in good situations. Um, but it just goes to show you that the draft capital is important and we don't care. Like we we're we, us as analysts and fans, we're like, Oh, trade the picks, trade the picks, trade the picks. And then yeah. the draft comes around. And what do we do when we're analyzing the draft? Oh, they don't have any picks, man. They don't have any picks. Yeah. Yeah. This is why they didn't want to trade them. So uh, it, it's kind of a double-edged sword, but I think some teams like the Vikings, the dolphins, they, they went in at the right time and, and I liked what they did. And then some teams maybe like green Bay and Dallas, uh, you could have expected a move, but they held off. I'm not going to knock them for that. I just think it was just a difference of philosophy. Well, I do want to knock some teams in a little bit when we talk about our deadline winners and losers. But let's let's dive into some of these trades, some of the more bigger trades uh, that took place yesterday. I kind of want to go in and maybe give a little grade on some of these moves. And we'll start right there with what the trade you just discussed. Uh, Bradley Chubb got moved from the Denver Broncos to the Miami Dolphins um, in exchange for a first-round pick in next year's draft a fourth round pick in the following year running back chase Edmonds. And again, going Miami's way is Bradley Chubb and a 2025 fifth round pick. So Denver is able to get a first round pick back. Uh, they, they obviously moved uh, their first round pick to the uh, Seattle Seahawks this year in exchange for Russell Wilson. It hasn't worked out so well, um, but the Broncos get a first round pick back for a, a very talented young a uh, linebacker who can get to the quarterback, who can make plays. And Aaron, like you said, this is a Super Bowl type move for the Miami Dolphins. Yeah, um, I, I, I love this deal for Miami. Um, you know, I, I get it gets irritating when I hear people say, "Well, you know, Bradley Chubb was going to leave anyways." Well, not if you paid him. Money talks, man. Money talks. Um, the fact of the matter is, Bradley Chubb's one of the best, better defensive uh, edge rushers in this league when healthy and he hasn't been healthy all the time, but he is one of the better defensive edge rushers in this league. And I think this is a huge addition to the Miami Dolphins. When you put him on the other side of Jalen Phillips, a team that's got a back end when healthy of Byron Jones, Xavier Howard, Javon Holland, that defense can become elite. And if you add an elite defense with that offense, there's no stopping the Miami Dolphins. They're, 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 they're right up there with the team, any team that can win the Super Bowl. And, and I'll say this, Shout out to the Miami Dolphins front office because in 2021, they traded back in the draft to the San Francisco 49ers, three first round picks, and they turned Trey Lance into Jalen Waddle, Tyree Kill, and Bradley Chubb. It's uh, a, <laughs> and that is a front office that you say, okay, you're winning. That's the fantasy football owner that, you know, turns, turns Christian Kirk and somebody into Josh Jacobs, C.D. Lamb, and Kenneth Walker. That's that fantasy football owner. They they bamboozled the 49ers. Hoodwinks, um, because, because we have not seen, we have not seen Trey Lance. And maybe it turns out Trey Lance is the future. Maybe Trey Lance is going to be the, the franchise quarterback. That's great. But they turned three first-round picks into exactly what you're looking for in first-round picks. Guaranteed, surefire, we know that these guys would be drafted number one overall if they were in a draft today. And that's Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddell, and, and Bradley Chubb. So shout out to the Miami front office. Um, just they've been doing everything right, honestly, for the last, I don't know, five years when yeah. they when they was tanked for Tua and everybody was worried about it. I mean, I know how they had the scandal about losing on purpose and Brian well, Flores, they, but they the moves plan. they've made, the moves they made have worked out they've had a plan and they've stuck with it. And, and yeah, like there's been certain spots where it's like, okay, it's, it doesn't like, I'm not sure if this is like the, a good plan. Like they got a lot of heat for some of their moves that they made, but they were able to stick to it. And it, it, it's paying off because there was, there was that time during the draft where like, like you brought up the two, a thing 
there was lots of question marks surrounding Tua coming into the draft and whether or not Miami should have taken Tua there, but they did. They stuck to their plan. There you go. They they now have their franchise quarterback who has been one of the most winning quarterbacks out of that entire draft class. And now you look at what they've turned the trade the the trade back to. I mean, that the trade land that that's the third overall pick. You can get a game changing type of player at third overall. Instead, they took their time. They stuck with the process. They stuck with the plan. Moved back in the draft, and then ended or moved back, and then moved back up to take Jalen Waddle that year. Um, it's just smart, mo- smart moves by the Miami Dolphins. Now, let's talk about what it does for them this year in their race towards the Super Bowl. Aaron, we talk about it all the time, and I've said it many of times on this show. The AFC, you have a lot of talented, incredible offenses with the Chiefs, with the Bills. You have to be able to keep up with them on the offensive side of the ball. But you also have to make moves to be able to get that one stop. That one stop can change the entire game. And getting Bradley Chubb does exactly that. Like you said, with his pass rush, I think it's it, it can be it has the potential to be special with now Bradley Chubb, Jalen Phillips there. Um, uh, who's the, Christian Wilkins is there as well. Like there's a lot of good talent on that D line. You mix that in with a good secondary, and this team is on the rise and a or not on the rise, getting even better um, and able to get that now one stop in the big moment against a team like the Chiefs, against a team like the Bills. That's exactly what you need um to to win those games and move further in the playoffs. So that's my two cents. Yeah, I agree. I, I think Miami's one of the contenders now you talk about in the AFC. And I don't think there's many. Uh, I don't think there's many teams in the NFL that can win the Super Bowl this year. I think it's a handful of teams, maybe six, maybe seven. Um, I think you start in the AFC with the Chiefs and Bills. I think you throw the Dolphins in that conversation. I think they're one of those teams that can win the Super Bowl this year. Um, I'm not sure about Baltimore being able to win the Super Bowl, but I put them in that in that category. Not much outside of that, I believe, the actual teams that can win a Super Bowl. You go to the NFC, you see the 49ers, you see the Vikings, you see the Eagles, and I do believe that maybe the Dallas Cowboys can get into that conversation, but I don't know if they're there yet either. Um, that's about eight teams in the NFL that, can, that I believe truly can go and win a Super Bowl. And uh, the Dolphins may not have been in that conversation a few weeks ago, but they're definitely back in that conversation now with the moves they've made over the last couple of weeks and getting to a, a healthy and back on the field. Yeah, we'll see where you have them in your power rankings coming up in just a few moments. Um, but let's go back to some some trades here. Uh, some of these we don't have to harp on for too long. Um, this one was a weird one, and I just wanted to get your thoughts on this just because Naeem Hines, the Indianapolis Colts traded him to the Buffalo Bills in exchange for Zach Moss and a fifth-round pick, conditional fifth-round pick that we're still kind of ironing out the details on, trying to determine what exactly the conditions are for that. Um, but a conditional fifth, Zach Moss heading back to Indianapolis, in exchange for Naeem Hines, who now joins the backfield of Devin Singletary, uh, Devin Singletary, now Naeem Hines, and then James Cook, who we saw some flashes uh, in the Green Bay game. Um, so now it's a, the, the backfield gets a little bit more crowded. Uh, what were your instant reactions to this move when it popped up? Uh, I don't know that I would say it's more crowded. Uh, I think you just swapped Zach Moss because I don't think he wanted to be there for Naeem Hines. Uh, I don't know that this moves the needle anywhere. I don't know that it, it doesn't do anything for me, really. Um, the things that Naeem Hines can do, Devin Singletary is actually pretty good at. Maybe Naeem Hines is a little bit better of a receiver than Devin Singletary, but not much. James Cook's a good receiver. It just goes to show you more that the Bills aren't about running the football. They're about using the running backs in the passing game and throwing the football. So I, I don't – this really didn't do anything for me. It was more about getting rid of, rid of salary for the Colts and – getting rid of Zach Moss for the Bills. Uh, the interesting thing I, th- I thought about the trade deadline, which I don't think is talked about enough, uh, the deals you saw happen before the deadline, the Roquan Smith deal, some of these other deals, those deals where people are owed money, that is the only time that there's a deadline for the day before the trade deadline that you can take on a, team, a person's salary. So like Bears trade Roquan Smith, this is not the case, but Bears trade Roquan Smith, the, the Ravens want the Bears to take on $18 million of his salary. They can do that. Once that deadline passes, which was yesterday, basically the day before yesterday, all those deals that happened yesterday, when those, when those people are dealt, they can't take on that money. So the, per, the team that's acquiring that player has to take on that money. Um, I thought that was interesting because the Bills go and trade for a guy that was just paid in Naeem Hines by the Colts. And so 
they now take on that salary. Uh, again, teams are really good with the salary cap. I'm sure they can work ways around it. But that, to me, was an interesting factor when I looked at some of these deals. I'm like, okay, Naeem Hines just got paid by Buffalo or by the Colts. And now Buffalo's taking on that salary. Why would they do that when Naeem Hines, I don't think, is a piece that they really need? Um, That's it. It's the same thing I, 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 that I, I didn't, I was not aware of that. And I'd say, I guess you could look at that as well in the uh, Chase Edmonds going back to Denver. I mean, Miami, Miami that, dumped one, that, Miami dumped that salary. Yeah. That's one thing that I, I, that I didn't mention when we were talking about that trade that I did want to mention is that Chase Edmonds went back to the Denver Broncos now adds him to Latavius Murray, Mike Boone, Melvin Gordon, uh, not, and, and Javante Williams because who will be back next year and chase Edmonds is expected to be better like uh, you you so three years he signed three yeah, years so you have that the fact of the matter is melvin gordon won't be back latavius murray won't be back Mike Boone won't be back so it'll be javante williams who's and not he, making anything and chase Edmonds, who's you know that, got a decent contract that 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 that's fair to me it's like it's it's just another genius move for the miami dolphins realizing they made him they might have made a mistake in paying chase Edmonds and being able to to move him um so quickly i mean we see teams so many so many times teams are are trapped under some deals and some bad moves and uh the dolphins were able to make that move but the bills though acquired naeem hines from the indianapolis colts one last quick one and you can make fun of me all you want for for wanting to bring this trade up i want to anyways just because i want to see where you're at um jaguars acquire calvin ridley in exchange for a fifth round pick and second round pick, they're all conditional. Like it, it, I've never seen a trade that had so many conditions attached to it. I even made a little graphic for it, just about the ridiculousness of the conditions to this trade. Uh, it's what it basically is. It's it's based on whether or not Ridley plays uh, next year and how much he plays and if he continues to play uh, in Jacksonville. Aaron, just just your just initial reactions to this trade and what it does. Uh, for for both of these teams moving forward. Yeah, I, I don't, I'm not a I'm not a fan of trades like this because I don't think I don't think you can gauge. Um, first of all, you don't know when he's going to be reinstated. Although you anticipate he gets reinstated um, a year in a right in a year for 2023, and if that's the case, okay, then you get a 29 year old receiver who's hasn't played in two years, so you're not sure what you're going to get. So of course you're going to put a bunch of conditions on this particular on this particular deal and i think calvin ridley is a good player but i don't know what i'm getting with calvin ridley i don't know if this is the same calvin ridley we saw two years ago um and if it is great you know jacksonville maybe maybe jacksonville wins but i I just there's no way to really gauge where he's at so people people um, are saying that and and by people i mean dan orlovsky i heard yesterday say that the Jaguars trading for Calvin Ridley is the Jaguars getting their Stefan Diggs for Trevor Lawrence. And by that meaning, not necessarily, I, I, I don't know about if he necessarily meant the talent wise of Stefan Diggs and Calvin Ridley, but um, getting that we saw Josh Allen's game go to the next level with Stefan Diggs added to the mix. Uh, I would assume that that's what Dan Orlovsky is yeah, referring Ste- to. When Stefan Diggs was 26 years old when that happened and was continuously playing. And and hadn't missed two years. Yeah. Calvin Ridley's missed two years and going to be twenty nine years old. Like that, that that's not even a gr- a good comparison. First of all, Calvin Ridley was not Stephon Diggs. Stephon Diggs was a different player than Calvin Ridley was. Um, I, I think this is one of those we we act we react to it because we have to. Um, they're going to have to. The biggest thing that's funny to me, not even funny. What happens if Calvin Ridley's not reinstated until the middle of next year? What if he's not reinstated at the beginning of the next next season? Then I mean, again, you're just giving picks away, whatever. But well, there there are condi- there are conditions based on like he has to be. He, I don't know where where you're going to come back. Okay, um, but what I'm saying is what I'm saying is if he's not reinstated until the middle of next year, and whatever they get whatever draft picks for him, he also has to get paid at the end of next year. So yeah. now you're asking him year one to come in and and be something, learn an offense come back from being two years off, be an impact player right away. And then you have to decide whether you're going to pay him or not. Like, I, I don't love that. I don't love that. His contract's only good through next year. Uh, if you talk about, oh, we got our Stefan Diggs, you might as well have just went and paid Brandon Cooks. You might as well. Brandon Cooks is a better receiver than Calvin Ridley. I don't care what anybody says. Go, check, go check the numbers. Brandon Cooks is a better player than Calvin Ridley on each and every level. I don't care what you think. The facts are the facts. And he's playing right now. 
Yeah, and I, I, I think he's. I think he's still younger than damn near. Than, I would. Uh, I would have loved. I would have loved the Jaguars. That that's my fantasy world of of my living. I would have loved the Jaguars to have traded for Brandon Cooks. That's like a guy that I would have loved to have. Um, but uh, it just, it just I, I just wanted to briefly touch on that. To me, um, again, it's 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 very low risk if you want to put it in that way. Yeah, I, I as as a as a as a fan of the Jaguars, I'm not. I don't hate the move. I'm excited for the potential that Calvin Ridley can bring because he does have the potential to be a very good wide receiver in this league. And if he, if he does return to that form, he's going to make Trevor Lawrence better and he will be the best receiver that the Jaguars have had in a very, very long time. Um, But that remains to be seen. This could be another Michael Thomas situation where we're waiting for him and, and there's the hype videos popping up and he's training and he's tweeting and this and that. But then when it comes down to it, he's not on the field or he's not playing to the level I, of I, I I disagree. I disagree with the thought that Calvin Ridley is that great. Like I know Calvin Ridley had one good year. But like, like he had I, one I, I year where we're and then we, no, I what was I'm comparing saying, him to the the rest of the receivers that the Jaguars have had in the past. Well, I mean, DJ Shark had one good year. I like do we know that Calvin Ridley's that good? That's my point. Because after two years, people were like, uh, Calvin Ridley's not, and I get it, he played with Julio Jones, but he also had Matt Ryan there. And the year that he came out, he had 1,300 yards. It was a great season, but it's not like he was some world beater before then. It was 60 catches, 800 yards, you know, a few touchdowns. Like, and I think that's where people saw the value. They saw his, I don't want to say fantasy value, but they did. They saw his fantasy value. And they said that's a good receiver. I don't know that I'm blown away by the ability of Calvin Ridley. I'm really not. I'm not saying he's not good, but when you say he's the best receiver that the that the Jaguars have seen, I don't know that. I don't know that he's a better receiver than Christian Kirk. I know that he's had more production than Christian Kirk, but I don't know that he's a better receiver. Stephon Diggs. Stephon Diggs was very similar in that aspect. And I think this is why, but Stephon Diggs had had 2000 yard seasons had gotten better for four straight years before he was traded to, to the Buffalo bills. And that was the difference. It was, but he also, again, was a lot younger. This is not coming over at 29 years old, 30 years old. This was coming over at 26, 27 years old. Calvin really is going to be almost 30. He's going to turn 29 in the season. Well, that, that's the, that's the biggest question mark is whether or not he, he returns to form. That's the, that's the biggest, uh, the biggest concern with it all. I, I, I am totally on board with that. But like I said, the potential is like, if he, if he can read like, like that year that he had two years uh, in 2020, yeah, two years ago where he had 1300 yards. I mean, that that's, that's a year that the Jaguar, the type of year the Jaguars, have not had uh, in in a very long time. I can't. I, but those are numbers. Those are. I mean, he, he was just throwing the ball a ton because they didn't have anything. To, they didn't have any running backs in Atlanta. Well, or, well, Doug they just Peterson, threw him the ball. We we talk about Doug Peterson and what he loves to do. So I mean that. No, but I'm just up. saying, like it's it's not. But that's not a that's not talking about breeding a success of a wide receiver. It's my point of you give people opportunities, they're going to have good years. If you throw Donovan People Jones 170 targets. I bet you Donovan Peoples Jones has 13, 1400 yards and has a good season. That's my I, point. It's like I think th- I think that's a little disrespectful to Donovan Peoples Jones. I think he's actually a good receiver. I didn't say he wasn't good. My, that's my point. And I'm not saying Ridley's not good. I'm saying when we start comparing him to people that have done it, for instance, Dave, Mr. Dave in my comments right now, telling me that he's better than Brandon Cooks. Well, let me ask you this. How is it that Brandon Cooks can have a thousand yards for seven straight years when when playing all his games? And Ridley's had it for one year in his entire career. And Brandon Cooks is 29 this year. So he's a year younger than Calvin Ridley. Like, and yet, where's the production at? You're talking about Brandon Cooks. He's better than Brandon Cooks. Brandon Cooks has nearly 9,000 receiving yards in his career. How many does how many does Calvin Ridley have? And they're almost the same age. Like, let, let's yeah. stop with the let's stop with the Brandon Cooks is or you know, Calvin Ridley's better than this person, better than that person. He's had over a thousand yards. One one season and playing with a Super Bowl Hall of Fame quarterback in that time. So it's not like he was playing with bums. He played with Matt Ryan. So we, we I just think this is what happens when we see a trade like this. We want to overreact to it and just say, oh, this is going to move the needle. I don't know that it's going to move the needle that much. I think this is somebody we have to see come back and actually play. And by the time you watch, there's not many wide receivers that enter their prime 
and start having breakout years at the age of 29, 30, and 31. It just does not happen in the NFL very often. So I'll take the side of history. Yeah, I I, I would take I would also take Brandon Cooks over Calvin Ridley just because the consistency there. There's a lot of question marks that that come with Calvin Ridley. That that's where I, and and that's that's where the, the Jack in this sense this trade is for the Jacksonville Jaguars who have not had much consistency at the wide receiver position. That's why I would prefer Brandon Cooks over Calvin Ridley. Uh, but let's let's enough about Ridley. I did not think that I would go that long with that. And that yeah, was, you did. Yeah, you did. Yeah, you did. You knew I was hot on it. Yeah, you did. You I knew. Didn't know you, that, I didn't you know knew. you were hot on it. I told you yesterday. It's irrelevant. We shouldn't talk about it. I said it in the chat. I so, said it doesn't matter. I said so low does that risk. mean I knew that you were hot on it? I had no I, idea you were hot on it. You, you said it was irrelevant. Was so I thought happen. we would. I thought we would blow over it because you said it was yeah, irrelevant. irrelevant. Meaning you didn't have to bring it up. Well, I, I mean, that was that, that was great content. Uh, when AJ <laughs> clips this in three weeks, you're going to be able to see that short pop up. <laughs> Damn, AJ, AJ's going to gloss right over this. He's not even clipping this short now. I'm willing to take any. I'm willing to take any bets on Calvin Ridley when he comes back. Anybody, by the way, shoot me a shoot me a message in my DMs. I'll take bets on Calvin Ridley and and what he does when he gets back on the football field. Nah, turn the community page of our YouTube uh, yep. of our YouTube channel into a betting page. That's what. It'll go be. ahead, throw, go ahead, go hit it up. Out. Let me know what you want to bet. Let me know what you think his numbers are going to be and what his production level is going to be. And I'll take the side of history um, where guys that don't play football for two years at at skill position players. Um, we got it. Let's talk winners and losers of this because we have to get going here. Uh, biggest winner of the trade deadline, Aaron. Uh, Miami Dolphins. Miami Dolphins, and I don't think it's close. Biggest loser. Biggest loser, Green Bay Packers. Uh, didn't trade for a receiver. Could have used one. Easy there. Easy money. Easy money. Uh, all right. That does it for our trade deadline recap. Uh, is there a lot of injury report stuff today, or is it uh, we can take I care have, of that tomorrow? I have some. I have some injury report stuff. All Not right, too, well, I can go through them really quick. Let's do it. Oh. <laughs> hey. All right. Let's get into this injury report. Ryan We're Tannehill. <laughs> Who cares? Uh, <laughs> Ryan Tannehill's, they said Malik Willis did nothing to steal his job away. It's going to be Ryan Tannehill's job when he gets back. We still don't know about that ankle. Um, we're, we're not sure if Tannehill's going to be back. Sam Darnold is close to returning. He had an ankle injury, but I still think P.J. Walker's the guy there. Gus Edwards' hamstring was a minor injury. We talked about this last Thursday. Um, hoping to recover. There's a chance that he gets back sooner rather than later. Um, Cordero Patterson, knee injury, coming back. Um, should be. His return is imminent. I think it's going to be close. It could be this week. could be next week. Uh, James Conner. Who knows? Day-to-day still uh, with that rib injury. I don't know. He's, he's got some weird rib problem that's been going on for a while. Um, Cooper Cup and the ankle, we talked about that. No structural damage. There's uh, Everything indicates that he's going to try to play this week. Uh, we'll see how that goes. Debo Samuel off the field still. Um, they're on their bye week, though, so he should be back once they get back, hopefully, with that hamstring. Keenan Allen did not practice on Monday. We will see whether he practices today. Uh, I'm not sure if he practiced yesterday or not, but Tuesday is usually kind of a day off. So Wednesday is the day today. We will find out if Keenan Allen is probably going to end up playing this weekend. Um, Josh Palmer was in concussion protocol. I think he'll be able to go this week. They're already thin at the wide receiver position. Rashad Babe and Michael Thomas, Jarvis Landry, all guys that are looking like everything's going to be out for this week. Um, we talked about Christian Watson last week. Mark Andrews. No serious, but has the shoulder and ankle injury. Maybe they give him a week off uh, and let, you know, Isaiah likely do his business. And then Irv Smith, obviously now eight to 10 weeks, guys. Irv Smith, this is why this is why they went and made the TJ Hawkinson deal. Uh, Irv Smith is out eight to 10 weeks. Uh, big deal, but not a big deal anymore. And then you, oh, and then you did mention this the other day, but David Ojabo and Tyus Bowser off of uh, IR and opened up that practice window. They're getting ready to play. Same thing with Chase Young. Um, that practice window is going to be open, and Chase Young should be back on the practice field for the Washington Commanders. And hopefully, get back soon.
I do not know what to do with Keenan Allen. I made that trade for him, and I'm thinking to myself, man, should I try and, like, see if anyone would take him now? Like, I'm just afraid. I'm petrified. I'm emotional. Uh, I digress, though. That's our injury report. Let's get into our power rankings for Week 9. If you're new to the show, this is where we break down all 32 teams' ranks uh, and where they fall. If you don't like it, say something. Say it with your chest. Stand up for yourself like Dave's doing in the chat, calling you out, Aaron, calling you a bitch. Not really. He didn't say yeah, that, but. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, hell no. Hell no. First of all, he wrong. He's wrong. He's wrong. Talk about Calvary played in a mostly run offense. Stop it. Matt Ryan threw over 600 times every single year of Calvin Ridley's career. Stop it. I don't care what you're talking about. Mostly run offense. That is a false narrative. Matt Ryan threw the ball 600 plus times every single year. Every single year. Stop with this run offense. Yeah, this Matt Ryan. In, in in the year that in the year uh, Calvin really had his best year, Matt Ryan led the league uh, in pass attempts at 626 pass attempts. Mm-hmm. The following exactly year, my point. The the following year, he was uh, 11th in the NFL with 560. Uh, and do, the year. Do your prior, homework. Do your years, homework, Dave. The years prior, Matt Ryan was third with 616. Uh, with <laughs> 616 and the year prior just for some fun here uh thirds with 608 so matt ryan uh <laughs> three three one and 12 uh, hey man i i'm not i'm not challenging your intelligence dave but i often on this show say fans are stupid fans are dumb i'm not saying you're dumb but they're dumb to the to the fact of the game matt ryan has thrown the ball for the majority of his career. And you're going to come on here and tell me to do my homework. I call anybody. I, I call Vinny dumb all the time. It's not an insult. Well, I'm it's not the brightest bulb. In the, I'm not the brightest bulb in the box, but let's take a look at your power rankings this week. Texans 32 is still the worst team. Lions 31 is still the second worst team. Now we got some fallers. We've got some fallers in the 30 and 29 spot. Colts fall five spots to 29. Steelers fall three spots to 30. Panthers stay put. They got a big win this past week, or they kept it close, I should say, uh, against the Atlanta Falcons, but they they stay put at 28. Commanders on the rise, moving up three spots. Bears continuing to rise. They were at 32 for a few weeks. Then they moved up last week, moving up again this week. Patriots staying put because, well, they're the Patriots, and no one likes Patriots, and they're just... They're just there. That's just kind of what they do. Uh, let's talk about two teams here, Aaron. I'm going to start with your biggest follower on this uh, graphic here. It's the Indianapolis Colts. They moved down five spots from 24 to 29. Uh, Sam Ellinger is there, now their their quarterback. Um, how much of uh, just the quarterback situation went into this and how much of this is just all-around team not playing good? Yeah, they, they, I, to, I told people before, Sam Ellinger is not it. Sam Ellinger is not going to move the needle on whether the Colts get their season turned around or not. This has to, I didn't buy that they made this move because they thought they can win more football games with Sam, Sam Ellinger. I don't buy it. Matt Ryan may be a statue. Matt Ryan may not be able to move in the pocket. Matt Ryan may have been a turnover machine this year, but Matt Ryan's a veteran. Matt Ryan has seen every defense you could possibly throw at him. He's a great leader. They've mentioned that. Matt Ryan is the only quarterback in that quarterback room that had a chance to turn this thing around. And Jonathan Taylor's been out. To me, this was, we got a banged up running back. Our best defensive player was missing most of the year in Shaq Leonard. Matt Ryan's banged up with his arm. We haven't played well. We're turning the football over. Let's move to a younger guy, see what we have in him. Maybe we do lose some games. I'm not saying they're chalking it up, that they're losing on purpose, but I think there are, they do realize that they might not be in win now mode anymore and that they're trying to make a shift and move forward and look at some of their younger pieces and what they have on this roster. Um, Jonathan Taylor's not playing well. It's very similar to the Tennessee Titans. You did not, you did not have the ability to do what you want to do offensively. And um, I think that's where they're at. Yeah. This is a team that, I mean, if they're falling and falling, and following in a, another one that had high expectations coming into the year, not living up to those expectations. Frank Reich on the hot seat. Um, this is just they're not they're not going in the right direction. If, if you're a Colts fan and you're trying to figure out what what your next move is to try and make things a little bit better, a team that rose though on this list that has continued to rise that I did want to give credit to and talk a little bit about is the Chicago Bears now moving up from 29 to 26. 
Again, they were 32 about three weeks ago. Now they've moved up. Uh, they've moved up six spots over the past two weeks, and they moved up three spots this week, even in a loss to the Dallas Cowboys. Aaron. Yeah, I think you're talking about the quarterback position here. Just the improvement of Justin Fields over the past couple of weeks. We saw them on Monday Night Football go to New England and play that well against a Bill Belichick-led defense, which we talk about all the time. You see what he did to Zach Wilson, came in there, forced three turnovers. Justin Fields looked like a better quarterback for the past couple of weeks. He played really well against two really solid defenses in New England and Dallas, and I think the Bears are starting to put him in, in good situations. They're running the football over 200 yards rushing again against the Dallas Cowboys. Khalil Herbert's getting involved, David Montgomery. You add Chase Claypool to the mix, and you know I'm not the biggest Claypool fan, but I think it forces them not to have to rely on Darnell Mooney as their number one, which he's not. Now you get another weapon that can stretch the field, be a vertical threat, big body receiver, Maple Tron, if you want to call him that. Um, I think that gives them another weapon. But that Bears defense had been good up until last week as well. I know they gave up 50 to, to Dallas, but we're talking about a, a defense with two young players in the back end with Jaquan Brisker and Kyler Gordon and their ability to cover, their ability to improve as the season goes on. Um, they lose Roquan Smith. So these are these are the things that they're now balancing. They're, they're selling off their veterans. They're going younger. But I think when you go younger like that, I think you're at least committing to it. And so yeah. the Bears are not going to probably get higher than this unless they go win some football games. But you have to at least acknowledge they're starting to trend in the right direction. How much of these moves go into your power, like went into your entire, not just the Bears pick here, but like how much of the uh, the off-field moves played a part in your in your rankings this week in terms of trade? Because you mentioned Chase Claypool. They did get rid of Roquan Smith and, and, and uh, Robert Quinn. Like those are two big names that you would think, okay, they should be fallers because of that. They, I mean, it's just obviously well, no, because you get rid of a big name doesn't mean you're a faller. I often say this. It's not about the names. It's about the fit. How do you fit with this team? Because well, remember, we, we well, have the Chargers who fall every week and they got a ton of talent well, on their roster. Roquan Smith, though, was a big part of what made this defense as good as it as it was, though. And I think that that, that, that has to be fact. Like, if, if well, we're factoring in what – and the thing is, we haven't seen it yet, though. I would argue, and this is not a knock on Roquan Smith because you know how much I love the rope, 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 bulldog Roquan Smith from UGA. I would argue – that Roquan Smith is highly productive because the Bears' run defense is so bad. Linebackers make most of the tackles. Why? Because the defensive line is getting moved out of the way. Running backs get to the second level, and then you make the tackle. So Roquan Smith does that. But Roquan Smith wasn't playing pass defense. Roquan Smith wasn't rushing the passer, getting 10 sacks, and pressuring a quarterback like that all the time. Their pass defense has been good this year. They were they were they were top three in pass defense before Dak Prescott torched them last week. So. I think that, yes, Roquan Smith is a very, very effective defensive player, and he leads the league in tackles. But when you have production, you can't mistake that for fit in a defense. And we, I say this all the time about receivers. You can be productive and not make an impact. I've, I've played the position. Like, you can go out, get your 120 yards, 30 yards, ask Cooper Cup. He's done it this year like four times. The Rams, great numbers, but then they lose the game, and they've got 10 points at the end of the game. You can be productive and not actually help your team win. And so Roquan Smith is a great player, but everything around him didn't really fit with that style of what they were trying to do. The back end has been the reason the Bears have been playing so well defensively. The back end was stopping people because they weren't really getting a great pass rush. Robert Quinn had one sack before they traded him. So um, I don't want to confuse just because you get rid of a name and a player that's productive with fit and how that's going to put your team over the top or not over the top. Chase Claypool's not that great of a receiver. But for the Bears, that's a huge addition, like massive addition, right? So um, it goes into – like I factor those things in. I factored Roquan Smith. I factored Chase Claypool. But at the end of the day, I still have to look at what we just saw last week, what we saw the week before. And the biggest thing about the Chicago Bears has always been the development of Justin Fields, and I've seen that over the past two weeks. Yeah, it, it's been huge. And and to touch back into something that you, that you brought up, you brought up the, the Bears' pass defense, allowing the fifth fewest passing yards per game, and that's even after uh, that Cowboys game. You look at the last three games for them, just in that small sample size of three games, they're still fifth in the NFL uh, in passing yards allowed. So um, it's been a, it's been a strong, strong defense in in uh, in the secondary, not just where Roquan Smith was. Um, and they and the Bears moving up on your list now to 26, moving up three spots. 
continuing to rise. Let's change over to 17 through 24. Jaguars falling hard, four spots. We got your biggest faller in your power rankings, the Raiders falling eight spots. The Falcons moving up one. The Cardinals moving down three. The Broncos moving up six spots. The Packers staying put because, well, the Packers are, well, Packers. Uh, and then the Saints moving up after their shutout win over the, the Raiders. They move up four spots to 18. And last but certainly not least, the Browns back in the top 18 there at 17, moving up four spots from last week. Uh, let's start, though, Aaron, with your biggest faller in the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, moving down eight spots last week was a very, very tough week. I mean, you look at the numbers, you look at the result, shutout against New Orleans on the road, sure, tough game, but shutout, the numbers of your stars not looking good. They fall eight spots. Yeah, um, just disappointing. You can't get shut out. If you want to lose to New Orleans on the road, okay. I might drop you a few spots. Um, you can't get shut out 24 to nothing. Not with Devontae Adams getting one catch, not with Josh Jacobs getting 10 carries. Uh, you got to get that dog to football. Like you cannot have your two best players getting 11 touches in a game and mainly Devontae Adams with one. That's just absurd um, in a game like that, especially when you're down. Like you would think garbage time, where's Devontae Adams getting some catches, something. I mean, just from a production standpoint, get his confidence going, make things better or easier going forward. Uh, Josh McDaniels dropped the ball in this game. He got out coached. They got outplayed and you have to penalize the Raiders for this. They, they had to drop They're it's not, you know, I have a, I don't want to say I have a soft spot for the Raiders, but I do think the Raiders have a good, have good personnel. But again, just because you have good personnel doesn't mean it's going to translate to the football field. They can have all the personnel they want. If they, if they don't produce, if they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing in the right spots, making their right assignments and reads and blocking up up front and getting to the passer, then it doesn't matter. And it didn't matter in this game and the Saints handled them and they looked like they did not belong on the field. And that was concerning because I, I did think this Raiders team was kind of trending upwards and uh, it came to a screeching halt. Yeah. Yeah. And falling eight spots is no joke when it comes to the power rankings. And it, it was a tough loss to the, the Raiders, a team that we all, both of us were originally saying this team still has a chance of making the playoffs when they were two and four, one and three, like, like one and four, like that. We said they still had a chance. They still could have done it with the talent that they have, the way they've been, they, they played, leading up to that Saints game, and then they had the Saints game, and it was a real, real bad uh, – it was a real stinker of a game. Uh, I just want – I, I got to ask you real quick, though, and I didn't plan on asking this, but I have to anyways. Is your Broncos moving up six spots just a kind of a result of the way the power rankings fall of who else is falling behind them? Or are you seeing – did you see something in Sunday's game against Jacksonville that, that made you say, okay, we got to move the Broncos up? Well, I told you before, the one thing about the Broncos that I'm very confident in is their defense. Um, and I think so it's hard to keep a team with a defense like that down at the bottom because they're going to be in every football game. They might not win and their offense might look ugly like it does at times, but they're going to be in every football game because that defense is absolutely hands down elite. Even after Bradley Chubb leaves, they're elite. Um, I thought Russell played better. Uh, a little bit better. Now, it wasn't great, but I thought he played better, especially in that second half and to go down and get those game-winning drives. And I told you, I don't care like everybody else about what the final numbers are, uh, how he looks throughout the game. When you pay a franchise quarterback, you pay him for moments. And in the moment, he made the plays. And so I have to give him credit for that. He's been getting on my nerves all year. He sounds like an ugh. It, it's just country. Every, everything about I think he's doing him is, it on purpose is, at this point. I do too. I think he's trolling everybody, but um, I feel like it, it's rubbed me the wrong way ever, ever since he's been there. However, I'm not going to take credit away from a quarterback that's won a Super Bowl, has been in big moments. He had to go make a drive when it counted, and he did it. And so that's, I can't waver and say it's different for Russell Wilson than it is for any other quarterback. So um, I was happy with that. The only thing I'm questioning right now is my just disbelief in the Atlanta Falcons, I think. Um, in that in that group right there, I want to put Atlanta ahead of the Saints, the Packers, the Broncos, and the Cardinals. I do. I mean, they beat the Browns. I could put them ahead of the Browns, but I can't. My my clicker when I go to make my ranking, it, it won't <laughs> let me do it. Something is telling me they're fraudulent, and and I just don't believe in the talent enough. Now they are a team. That's a team that, despite the lack of talent, 
is coached well for the most part outside of running when you're down 20 points. Um, but they believe in Arthur Smith. They have a plan, a system, uh, but they're banged up on the back end and the secondary. And I just don't trust the talent. So that's more of a gut call at 22 than it is substance. But Atlanta over some of those teams that are in the, the low 20s, high teens. But um, maybe if they go over 500, I, I do it. Maybe I'll move well, week up. Seven, if, they win, if they win this week against the Chargers, maybe I maybe I move up. Week seven, you did have the Falcons at 18. That was the thing. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm not opposed to moving them up. But when, when there's teams that win games or, like, for instance, the Browns game against the Bengals, super impressive to me. Um, the Broncos got the win. So that was impressive to me, the way they, the end of that game, the way they were able to drive down the field. I'm not, I didn't like the way the Falcons played against a Panthers team that's not very good, even though they got the win at home. This week will be telling for the Falcons. What do they do against the Los Angeles Chargers? What do they do? The Chargers are not a great run defense. The Falcons love to run the football. But the Atlanta Falcons don't have a good secondary. The Chargers like to throw the football. This is the matchup right now that's going to tell me where the Falcons belong uh, in week nine. So after next week, you'll know where I th- what I really think about the Atlanta Falcons. All right, right now you got them at 22. Uh, we do see your biggest faller here in the Las Vegas Raiders falling eight spots. Let's shift gears over to, uh, to nine through 16. This is always, we say it every week, this is always kind of the, the group. This is the group that we talk about the not, not talk about the most, but is uh you say it's the hardest to 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 put together sometimes, and uh, there's just a lot of like like there's a, this is the meh, not the Matt group, but the Matt group. This is this is the Matt group. You see the Jets, you see the Giants, you see the Rams, Chargers, Seahawks, Bucks, Titans, Bengals, all Matt teams. That's for, at least for this past week too. All Matt teams. Like we want to give, we want to keep building up the Seahawks, but. They're similar to the Falcons where you just don't know if they're the real deal or not, but they're proving it every week that they're, they're a good team. Uh, let's, 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 t- I'll, I'll, I'll move back though. I'll move back a little bit, rewind it. Jets at 16, Giants at 15. These are two teams that we talked about a lot of being just shocking teams, surprising the world, shocking the world, but now having a setback. The Jets lose bad against the Patriots. Giants lose a game, a tough game against the Seattle Seahawks. Which team falling stands out to you more uh, the the most, Aaron? Um, that's tough. Uh, I think the Jets are the most fraudulent out of that group because of the offense. Uh, don't believe in it. Um, but the Giants, the Giants' offense isn't isn't very good either. And I think that was what kind of hurt me against Seattle because I thought they might be able to score and move the ball a little bit against Seattle. Uh, I think the Giants are a team that defensively they'll be in every game. So every game will be close, but they, their problem is they can't afford to turn the football over. Not once. Like you, we saw the two punt returns that were were fumbled in that game. And because of that, Seattle was able to win that game and stretch it out and get it, you know, come away with the win. But that's the Giants. Like you can't turn the football over. One pick by Daniel Jones, probably game time. One fumble by Saquon Barkley, probably the game. Like that's, just the situation that the Giants are in. So uh, both of them, I, I think they should be happy with where they're at. They should be they should be feeling good about where they're at, but understand that they have limitations offensively. Uh, but their defense keeps them in games, very similar to the Broncos. They play great defense. They're going to be in football games. They're going to have a chance to win. And that's important in the NFL. But at the end of the day, once you get to the end of the season and into the playoffs, it's no longer about having a chance to win. You have to be able to make plays. Yeah, and and that's just not what we've seen from – you have to have the ability to make plays and step up. And you look at the teams that are ahead of them, even with the Rams struggling as they are, you you know that there's still playmakers on that offensive side of the ball that are going to be able to show up if and when they uh, – obviously they've needed it in terms of some of these teams. Um, but you trust the, the playmakers on those on those teams a little bit more – the new trust of the New York Jets and the New York Giants. I think it's really, it really has to be said, the struggles of Zach Wilson, though, the past few weeks, uh, or not the past few weeks, just his turnovers and the ways of playing. He hasn't been, it's been a lot of, a lot of the Jets' success has been a lot of Brees Hall and that running, that rushing attack. 
Zach Wilson just hasn't been the answer yet. And I'm not saying I'm not out on Zach Wilson by any means. He still has a lot to learn and a lot to grow through. But some of these plays that he's making are just not good plays. And someone who's a Jackson, I've seen it before with Trevor Lawrence. It's the same thing from these second year quarterbacks that had a first year with a lot of setbacks. Zach Wilson had a lot of setbacks in year one. He's still going through those rookie growing pains. And that's to me is, is a really good reason why they're falling. Now that, now that Brees Hall is out, they got to figure out a way to get back to that rushing attack. Like they have to figure out how to get that running attack going again without Brees Hall, whether it's James Robinson, whether it's Michael Carter, uh, if they want to move back up in the power rankings, it's not my power rankings. I don't get to make that call, but if they want to move back up in the power rankings, they're going to have to get that rushing game back on track. Yeah, for sure. Um, we, but it's not a, I mean, it's not a something they can't do. They just got to turn around and hand it off. It's just the amount of opportunities. Like they just didn't run the ball against New England. So it's not a, oh no, what are we going to do to scheme up the run game? No, it's just do it. Just run the ball and see what happens. Um, Zach Wilson struggled, but this is the landscape of the NFL, man. It, and it's, I, I get frustrated and I know it's not going to change and I know I can't do anything about it, but in the in the in the past and growing up in my in my heyday in my glory day oh boy it was back about in my day yeah back in my day it was about allowing a quarterback especially a young quarterback to learn how to play the position we with social media and us including myself um in the media that are so quick to just gotta be great gotta be great gotta be great if you're not great we want it now we want it now we want it now if you're not it now you're not it that's as simple as that um it, it's it's it is the landscape is so hard to be successful in the NFL and especially at the hardest position, perhaps in all of sports. Um, we criticize the quarterback position because we give them all the glory and albeit that's fair, but we criticize it and we do not understand. We don't how hard that position is to play. We, we act like we do. We don't really understand what it's like to stand at six foot one, maybe behind five guys that are 360 pounds and six foot eight. And then you got guys that are six foot four, run four threes and massive men chasing you around the field. And you have to throw to guys like people don't realize it. Go stand on a football field. Have you ever had the opportunity to go stand on the field? Like you watch it from the stands, go stand on the field and watch these guys move and tell me what you would be able to do in a football game. I like to give, I like to give some slack to the quarterbacks that are young, the Trevor Lawrence, the Zach Wilson, but I do understand it's a win now league. And at some point we have to get to that, that point. Um, but the jets are falling because of Zach Wilson hasn't played well. Same thing with, uh, with the giants and Daniel Jones, when he doesn't play well. Yep. Pretty, pretty straightforward. Uh, jets, 16 giants, 15 Rams, 14 chargers, 13 Seahawks leader of the NFC West at 12 Tampa Bay Buccaneers, 11, Titans 10, Bengals 3. Let's get into 1 through 8 here. Aaron, is there a new number 1? No, there is not. The Bills remain on top at number 1. But we do have some changes at 2 and 3, which we're going to talk about. The Eagles at 2, the Chiefs at 3, Cowboys stay put at 4. The Niners moving all the way up 5 spots to to 5. The Ravens uh, fall uh, to 6. The Vikings stay put at seven and welcome back to the top eight Miami Dolphins. I think we're starting to get back into the time of, uh, you know what? The Dolphins are back with Tua. This is a different team. We saw them really fall a lot because their losses to like the teams like the Jets and close games and with Skylar Thompson and Teddy Bridgewater quarterback. But when we see Tua and this offense firing on all cylinders, this team is easily a top eight team. But Let's start, Aaron. At, let's start with that two and three. Let's talk about the big dogs here. The Eagles moving ahead of your Chiefs. The Chiefs were on a bye, but you have now they're known... my Chiefs. <laughs> what? They're my Chiefs now. Huh? Well, I mean, okay. sorry, your Patrick Mahomes. Yes, uh, was on a bye this week, and but you're not the type of person though that just because the team's on the bye that they're going to fall or, or move up or whatever. You're not the type of person that that does that. You have the Eagles jump the you have the Eagles jump the Chiefs. Is it is it as am I wrong? Is it as simple as they played this past week? Yeah, uh, you're you're not, you're not wrong because you're right. I, I'm pretty stubborn when it comes to who I think is better, and I and I'm not saying that I think the Eagles are better than the Chiefs, but I think the Eagles deserve to be ranked ahead of the Chiefs. Um, 
the biggest thing here was, yeah, the Chiefs did not play, so I did not get to watch them this week. I'm disappointed in Patrick Mahomes. He should have <laughs> scheduled a game and played somebody on his bye week. Maybe goes to your local high school, find a high school team to play so he can embarrass them like he embarrasses the NFL team. I don't know. He could have done something, film a practice and put it on CBS on a Sunday. I don't know, but I didn't get to see Patrick Mahomes, so I miss him. So that's why they fell. I miss them. And the fact that the Eagles blew out the Steelers. And I thought this was a in-state rivalry. Mike Tomlin, tough defense. They're going to give him some fits. And the Eagles came out and did what they did all year. I just think you have to put some respect on the Eagles. And I've also been very critical of the Eagles. I think that they were so quick to jump out, call them this dream team. And to be honest, even after 7-0, 8-0, whatever they're going to be, um, I have reservations. I have reservations. Can this team win a Super Bowl and go win it all? Because there are things about them that I don't love. But you have to respect what they're doing. They are absolutely coming in and running roughshod over everybody. And so I I give them credit for that. And the fact that the Chiefs did not play this week, I think those things coupled together. um, I said, you know what, let's let's move them up. Because once next week comes and the Chiefs embarrass the Titans on Sunday night, I'm going to have to put the Chiefs back at number two or maybe even number one. So let the Eagles get their little flowers and a little shine on for a week, and then we'll we'll talk about it again next week. Yeah, it's uh, we talked we talked a lot about the Eagles and like the, this team is an all has been all around great this year. Obviously undefeated, the record shows for shows itself. But the offense, a top five offense in the NFL, and the defense has been a top five defense uh, this year. They did just lose Jordan Davis though, uh, out for a few weeks with an ankle an ankle sprain, I believe, which is a tough blow. Um, you know what I worry about with the Eagles? <clears throat> They're the only good team that I feel maybe week two, but they haven't been tested at all. And there's and like we talked about the other day, there's no tests on their schedule except for one more game against Dallas. And hopefully Dak Prescott's playing in that one. Um, I worry about teams like that because when you get to the playoffs, football changes. It's not the same teams. Those teams that you thought you beat or you were better than, they're, they, the, the playoffs is a different animal. And so – Riding high and then going into the playoffs against more physical football. It's a different style of football. I feel like it could catch them off guard. And so that that would be my one worry about the Eagles. But what can they do? They can only play their schedule. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I actually was just talking to someone about this the other day about how the Eagles are that uh, might be that team we saw last year. And I'm, I, I think there's a difference. I'll get into it. But last year we saw like a team like Pittsburgh. Or not, maybe it wasn't Pittsburgh. Two years ago, we saw like a team like Pittsburgh. They were like undefeated for a long period of time. And then they ended up playing like a cakewalk schedule towards the end of the season. And it was like, we never really bought into the Eagles or the, the Steelers, though. Like it was just one of those things. Like they, it was the, the year record, they played the Browns and the Browns beat them in the playoffs. Yeah. And then, the, and then they get to the playoffs and then they're not as good as, as we thought they were. The record showed. Yeah. That could be the, a similar situation here with the Eagles because you look at their 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 stretch, like you said. I mean, you got the you got the Bears, you got the Saints, Colts, uh, Commanders. Like they, they don't have that uh, tough of a schedule to finish off the season. I mean, the Giants games are going to be. T- I think the Giants games will be will be competitive. I think Cowboys games will be competitive. Uh, but outside of that, I mean, it's 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 not too difficult, and that could that could be a problem for them in the playoffs. That's what, and that it, to me. It's going to be a true test of how good of a coach Nick Sirianni is. Because I think when you go through those those patches where it's just a cakewalk and you're coasting into the playoffs, you can be complacent, you can be like relaxed, and then you get into the playoffs and it's like, oh shit, like we haven't had this in a while. Like as a coach, you have to keep your players playing at that playoff type level, no matter who you're playing. And in this game against the Steelers past week, they did that. Like that is the playoff type level. You go in against these bad teams and you smoke them. Sometimes that does not prepare you enough though, against the great teams that are in the NFL. One other team I wanted to talk about moving up in your top eight is the San Francisco 49ers. They move up five spots now with CMC this offense is completely different. Like it just seems like it's completely different in my opinion. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, But what they have going on in San Francisco right now is special. You have them moving up five spots from, from 10 to five. Uh, what, what, what do you, I mean, can you cap off our power rankings with your, your uh, reiterating your thoughts on the San Francisco 49ers? 
Yeah, I think they're the Super Bowl favorite in the NFC. And that includes the two teams I have ahead of them in the power rankings right now, based on what they've done for throughout the season. I have to give credit to the Cowboys in Philly, but I think the 49ers are the Super Bowl favorite in the NFC. Um, from an offensive line standpoint, they have the best left tackle in football. They can run the football. They have the best running back in football. Yes, I said the best running back in football because he's the most versatile running back in football. Not pure runner between the tackles. That would be Nick Chubb and Derrick Henry. However, uh, Christian McCaffrey can do more than those guys and allows that so, versatility of an, offensive play call, uh, of an offensive play caller to, to be creative and do things that defenses don't want to see. They are multiple. They are the only team that has a running back playing wide receiver, a wide receiver playing running back, a tight end playing fullback, a fullback playing tight end, a tight end playing wide receiver. If Trey Lance was there, I'd go crazy because it'd be a quarterback playing running back, a quarterback like – they are the most versatile. The only thing that will stop the 49ers from getting into the Super Bowl will be Jimmy Garoppolo. That's it. Jimmy Garoppolo. If Jimmy Garoppolo does not make the mistakes, can get the ball in the hands of his weapons, the 49ers will probably be at the Super Bowl um, again this year. And he is. Oh, you were going so good. Is the only. Um, you talk about a Nick Bosa coming back. The defense is starting to get healthy. Uh, that's important because they need that defense. But Jimmy Garoppolo, just don't mess it up. Just don't yep. screw it up. Yep. Simple as that. It really is as simple as that with when it comes to 49ers. It's just you have that. The, everything is there around. Just Jimmy Garoppolo, don't mess it up. That does it for our power rankings, though. Uh, we've got a Thursday night football matchup. Oh, I guess I should do this. I should be responsible. Uh, your power rankings, Bills remain at the top. 49ers moving up a big uh, big time. Uh, Giants, Jets, sorry, you're falling back down. Seahawks, you're getting that respect. Uh, Raiders, you suck. That's that. That's that. Texans, you suck the worst. That's that. That's our power rankings. I'm just kidding. I'm sorry. That was terrible recap of your power rankings uh but that's that that's our power rankings let's get into our thursday night preview that's right it is time for a little thursday night preview and it is between the undefeated philadelphia eagles traveling to Houston to take on the one-win Texans here, Aaron. This game, on paper, it is what it is. The Eagles are 14-point favorites with an over-under of 45, 45 points. Uh, it's a, this is a mismatch. This is a, a team that's firing on all cylinders versus this – is, this is your second-best team in the NFL taking on your 32nd-best team in the NFL. Complete mismatch. What do the Texans need to do? Obviously, it's not winning this game is much easier said than done from the Houston Texans standpoint. But what do you want to see from them in this game to get back on track? Or to get yeah. on track? I'm like, on, well, I'm like, get, well, get back. They, gotta, they had to have been on the track first to start. Um, no, this is simple. Um, they need to keep the ball away from Jalen Hurts in the offense. So their defense has to play sound, but on offense, they need to run the football. They need to control the clock. Damian Pierce has to be involved, but not only involved, he has to be effective in this game. Uh, wasn't as effective last game as he has been throughout the first part of the season. That's fine. It's going to happen. But I think they have to find ways to get that running game going. You do not want this to become a shootout. The minute it becomes a shootout is the minute that the Philadelphia Eagles are winning 45 to six or something, something like that. Davis Mills cannot turn the football over. Davis Mills has got to play better than he's been playing this year. Um, he's actually gone backwards in year two, which is, this is the sign of a, of a problem. Um, I, and this is what I, this is like the opposite of what I say with, with like Zach Wilson, Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence, right? Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. He's making mistakes, but you see improvement. Zach Wilson's kind of been the same. Um, he hasn't had a whole lot of opportunity. He's kind of been the same. Justin Fields, you've seen a little bit of improvement. Davis Mills has gone backwards. And because he's gone backwards, that's a problem. That you start to question what can he actually be. Um, I just think he can't turn the football over. Last year, he only threw 10 picks in 13 games. He's already got six this, this year through seven games. So he's turning the football over. Maybe he's trying to be more aggressive, but maybe he needs to scale that back. 
You have a good running game now with Damian Pierce. Run that football. Find Brandon Cooks. Make some big plays, and then you know take your shots when you need when you have to take your shots. And I think that is, I, I think that's the only way the Texans are in this football game. Can it happen? Yeah, it's Thursday night, short week, got to travel. These we see this a lot, but Philly is more talented. Um, I, I, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough for Houston. You, you, if you're Houston, you just want to make it close. Yeah, you just you just want to be somewhat competitive in this game, and um, the on the Eagles side of things, you just want to see you you want to see a clean game from the Eagles. You want to see them handle their business against a bad team like they did against the Steelers. Uh, just come in again and just roll. Like just don't don't have any hiccups in this game. Have a clean football game against a team that you were supposed to be to be. With that being said, uh, the Eagles are going to win this game, thirty-five to ten. Oh, yeah, scores are a thing. Um, I'm going to give the Texans defense a little bit of credit because I do feel like the Texans defense has been able to keep teams out of the end zone for the most part. Um, I, I think they're, they're, they're tough. They're not, they're not the best, but they, they're, they're tough. They've only given up 30 points one time, I believe, and that was against the Chargers week four. Um, so I'm going to say that Philly does not reach that number in this game on the road on a short week in Houston. I will say that the Philadelphia Eagles win 27 to 13. That's a good score. That is a good score. Uh, We will be back tomorrow live at 10 a.m. Eastern time uh, with our DFS plays for this game. So be sure to tune into that. We also have our week nine previews uh, with our AFC home teams. Uh, That's games like the Kansas City Chiefs and the Tennessee Titans. That's games like the Bills Jets. We will have those previews tomorrow live at 10 a.m. Eastern time. If you missed a single bit of this episode, it'll be available for you on YouTube. So be sure to go check that out and hit that subscribe button. Yes, you, sir, in the front. Uh, shout out to Dave in the chat. Uh, don't take it personal. I wasn't really calling you names. I just like to mess with the fans. I call all fans dumb fans. I'm a dumb fan at times. We know this guy right here is a dumb fan, Vinny. Um, but thank you for interacting in the chat. That was fun. Uh, yes, the Rams really, they get the respect because they won the Super Bowl. Maybe next week they're out of it. But I do appreciate uh, Dave being in the chat and going, giving a little back and forth. Yep, that always makes our shows and our lives much easier when we do have people in the chat buzzing it up, chirping it up with us, uh, chatting it up. We love it. So thank you, Dave. Thank you, Bailey. Thank you, everyone in the chat. Thank you, everyone, for viewing and watching. Be sure to hit that subscribe button if you have not already done that. And if you have already hit that subscribe button, make sure you are sharing and letting everyone know that the city is where it's at. For my best friend, Aaron Mukes, I am me. We will see you tomorrow. Peace out. Nom, 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 nom. <laughs>